Hey everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex Podcast, it's Jawad here as always and thank you for joining me after the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and just like the hat, uh, another F1 season is done and dusted, 22 races this year and it was meant to be 24 to begin with and that's what we've got coming up next year, I don't know how everyone will cope with an extra two races but oh you know we, we race weekends, you know when there's no race weekends on there's no life Yes, there is. Go out and do something. Or watch a documentary, read a book, you know, cook a delicious meal. There's so much to do when F1 is not on. I could write a whole list or a book, maybe an idea for an off-season show. Who knows um, if I can be bothered doing that. But anyway, let's talk about the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. I've got Adelaide coming up as well. The Supercars Adelaide 500 with a championship decider. Um, I'll talk about that a bit later, but what can you say other than more superlatives about Max Verstappen and Red Bull Racing? Because he put essentially put the finishing touches on such a record-breaking campaign this year, and you know it's going to be quite difficult to replicate in the future. I mean, yes, it's it's kind of inflated by the fact that, you know, we've got more races these days, but then again, you know, he has to go out there and put the put in the performances week in, week out. And, you know, the demand is all the more greater. So, you know, do do they hold up compared to a sixteen race season from back when likes Ed and St. Alan Prost, um, those guys were racing and whatnot, you know, how would they fare today? So it's 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 really it's really, you know, some people want to debate about it, some people don't. I personally think that, you know, it's it's just how time progresses and yes, we do have more races, but it does demand more performance, you know, and more out of the the athlete themselves as well, more out of the team. And the fact that Max has finished this season with nineteen wins out of twenty two races and no reliability problems either. That's that's phenomenal. I think that is a feat that needs to be recognised and celebrated because usually, you know, even some of the more dominant uh, seasons in the past, you know, with Mercedes and, and even McLaren going back to the late 80s with Prost and Senna, you would have, there would be reliability problems, you know, something would creep up that would uh, take a win away from you here or there, but you know, Verstappen's not had that <coughs> at all this year, and for him to also claim the record of leading a thousand laps in a single season, you know, that's something that most drivers don't do in a whole career, yet alone a single season, you know, I'm talking about, um, you know, likes of Schumacher and Hamilton, they would have achieved that over numerous years, but for Max to achieve that in a single season, I think it does kind of put a lot of, uh, puts a lot of onus on how incredible it has been. And I'm not just trying to sit here and and kiss Verstappen's backside. I'm here to appreciate and revel in you know what we're witnessing, which is this era of Verstappen. But as we know with Mercedes, um, and the Lewis Hamilton era, it can all come crashing down to end. And who knows? Could that be next year? I don't know. Don't think so. Anyway, I'll deliberate more about that and talk more superlatives about the Stappen come 
the season review show, which I'll aim to do in about a week or two. Um, it's good that the season is kind of wrapped up uh, before December, even though I'm recording here on December the 1st. Um, and then, yeah, we can, t- you know, dive into that a bit more and and see have a look ahead to potentially what what can we expect next year and whatnot so let's go back to qualifying and uh charles leclerc charles leclerc pole position again um but was edged going into turn one by max and that pretty much left the Ferrari driver to scrap away with um, Mercedes driver George Russell because they were duking it out for P2 in the championship, in the Constructors' Championship, that is. And despite Leclerc finishing second on the road and getting a podium for Ferrari, Russell's result in third, P3, third, uh, (laughs) Russell's result in third and Hamilton in P9 was enough for them to outscore Ferrari and take that P2 in the Constructors' Championship. Um, There was a moment late in the race where we had Sergio Perez uh, in contention for the podium and and Leclerc thinking quite smartly, thinking more smarter than his Ferrari engineers, thought, well, you know, Checo's got a five-second penalty. How about I let him ahead of me into P2, see if he can create a gap, and then that way Russell won't end up on the podium, and that might give us the points we need to secure P2. Unfortunately, it didn't work because Checo kind of let let the side down. He let Ferrari down um, and uh, wasn't able to um, create enough of a gap to nullify that five-second time penalty, which we'll talk about later. Actually, no, I can talk about it now. Yes, he made contact or he ran Lando Norris wide. So that's why he was given that one and Norris wasn't quite happy with that. But, um, you know, he got relegated down to fourth in the end, which put Russell on the podium. And it was only the second podium of the year for Russell, which, you know, on paper you look at that and be like, oh, you know, considering he was all the rage last year in, in 2022, and the fact that he was the only race winner for Mercedes as well, um, this year has been pretty shocking by by those lofty standards, and perhaps his own standards too, and I feel, you know, Russell's kind of been caught out a little bit this year, I mean, yes, he's had a lot of bad luck and, and unreliability, he's copped the brunt of that at Mercedes, but, you know, the, the car concept that they went with last year was a dud. It was an absolute dud. And I don't know, like, it, it, it for a team that's won eight world championships on the bounds, you know, and no disrespect to Mercedes, I admire them quite a bit. And I've just finished watching the Braun GP documentary as well. And, you know, of course, they were Braun back in the day. Um, you know, based off the win, you... They shouldn't have continued down that path, and I'm sure Russell was kind of, you know, gaslighting himself and saying, oh yeah, you know, this is the best car ever driven, if you watch Drive to Survive, he's just like, oh, the car looks fast, back in Bahrain last year, and it's like, mate. No, it's got no side pods. It's not going to work. Uh, and yeah, you know, then they were caught with their tail between their legs earlier this year. And, you know, they've had to step away from that concept. They put some side pods in the car in Barcelona and it's been an upward, it's been an uphill struggle from there. So, you know, maybe with all that, he's been caught out. But also Hamilton, you know, people criticizing him last year. I was criticizing him last year at one point saying, oh, he's done. You know, he should 
um, you know, see out the rest of his contract and, and be done with it. But no, he's re-signed on for another two years, locked in with his teammate as well for the same amount of time. And, you know, performances we saw from him this year in a car that doesn't deserve P2, which I said on last week's show, he's he's done a great job, you know, and it's been a struggle like this weekend, again, a struggle like Vegas was, but, you know, he's managed to do it and so close to also P2 in the champion, in the driver's championship. I mean, if Checo had, you know, won too many more slip-ups, then yeah, you know, he could have lost his seat and as well as second in the championship to Hamilton. And what would we say then? The fact that Ferrari have a fast, have had a faster car for, you know, the whole season compared to Mercedes just can't execute correctly or get their reliability right. Mercedes with a dog of a car, which, you know, even by McLaren standards at the moment, where, where they were in recent races as being second fastest to Red Bull, you know, Mercedes weren't even there, or close to Aston Martin, who was second fastest at the start of the year. So it really is a is a very galling, you know, stat sheet, I guess, when you look at how Mercedes finish up this year, because they didn't deserve, or saying that they don't deserve P2 is is a bit harsh, you know, because they work really hard and I'm sure, you know, they, yeah, deserve better. Um, but, you know, on on merit, I think, or on, on performance, they shouldn't be up there, but on merit, they, they are compared to Ferrari. So we'll leave it at that. Um, but what happened to Carlos Sainz? I, uh, I mentioned Leclerc um, and then the two Mercedes, what happened with them in the race. But Sainz, he was out in Q2, unfortunately, started the race 16th. And then, uh, as Ferrari do Ferrari things, on a weird strategy, he has two sets of hard tyres to begin with, then goes really late into the race, and then his engineer comes on saying... Um, uh, that they're looking at potentially waiting for a safety car to, to do that final pit stop and then he would be able to secure some points. Uh, <laughs> that didn't happen. And then what ends up happening is he retires from the race. He did he did pit uh, quite late into the race, but he was back outside the points. And I think they just retired the calf on the grounds of, well, we don't need to burn up any more um, componentry and whatnot, so let's just, just park it and call it a day. So, you know, Ferrari again tripping over themselves and arguably costing them P2 in the Constructors' Championship, which is what's happened here. So it's all I can say without them, to be honest. Uh, the rest of the field, we had some DRS trains. Um, and, like, I've got to say, as much as I like this new... Yasmarina layout, the the racing still seems a bit bland, and I can't quite put my finger on it, you know, like, I love the new layout, it's got good flow and everything, I prefer not having that silly chicane before the, the hairpin grandstand, and then also that sweeping left-hander um, down the, the west side of the circuit, um, but, yeah, I can't put my finger on it, the, why is the racing so bland here? We had DRS trains, we had overtaking and whatnot, but it just it just seemed like a very dull race. And I guess, you know, not having that peril of a, a championship decider like we had 21 and 2016, 2014, 2010, um, all here at, at Yas Marina, that it, it 
doesn't really matter really i guess you know it's hard to say that or it's 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 awful to say that it was a dead dead rubber of a race you know and that's because we did have some key championship positions to sew up between mercedes and ferrari and alpha tauri as well which will come to shortly um with williams and drivers championship as well i think uh carlos signs no not signs sorry alonso has taken the place ahead in in fourth and You've got uh, Norris in fifth and, and Sainz in sixth. I'm, I'm not too sure I've got to confirm that for you now because it will look really silly if I'm wrong. Yeah, you've got Leclerc, sorry, in fifth and then Norris in sixth and Sainz dropped to seven. So Leclerc out of nowhere came in and took the top five place ahead of uh, Norris and Sainz. So, yeah, and Alonso scoring his first top um his first top four finish in a championship, I think, since 2013, I believe. So that's going back a fair way. And it was a great season for him too, which we'll talk about in the, the end of year review. But yeah, it was just, it was quite a dull. Apart from that, you had some battles between Hamilton and the Alpines again. You had Hamilton complaining that Alonso brake tested him. I can't even remember what happened, to be honest, so it probably wasn't that important. Uh, Gaz- Pierre Gasly had uh, front wing damage from that contact with Hamilton, but neither Alpine scored points in the end. Um, McLaren, unfortunately, did not have the race pace to back up their qualifying performance because... They had both cars in the top five. Oscar Piastri was start, started third and went backwards, and he finished sixth with Norris ahead in fifth. But again, you know, who would have even dreamt of a top six double finish or, you know, double points finish at the start of the year where they were in Bahrain? So not a bad finish for them. I'm sure that they're going to do a lot of work over the offseason. They've got uh, Rob Marshall coming over from Red Bull as well to complete that technical um that new technical lineup that they've got as well and i hear that they've signed a new like a business manager um new business manager role they've they've filled that position with uh, stephanie carlin coming over from f2 so you know that's they're only just getting stronger and stronger and also sponsor news they've got monster energy on board which is quite intriguing given that you know monster and mercedes have been partners for so long so you know i guess it's a bit of payback for when Mercedes started stealing all of McLaren sponsors back when, um, back in 2014, I think when likes of Hugo Boss and, and whatnot all went away from Woking to Brackley. But yeah, not a bad finish for them. And it was enough for them to secure fourth ahead of Aston in the championship as well. It wasn't a bad race by any means for Aston Martin because both drivers scored points, Alonso in seventh and Lance Stroll in tenth. But, you know, it's still quite alarming how they just dropped off the edge of a cliff um, at, at, a, at points this season, you know, and the fact that their upgrades that they brought kind of took them backwards as as instead of forwards so that's going to be something that they're going to have to look into for next year and then of course there's all sorts of rumors circulating as well about the future of the team in terms of the ownership and Lawrence Stroll what he's up to I think he's sold 10% or a 10% stake in the team um, as recently as Vegas with a, a firm called Arctros or Arctos I don't know what they are um, but then coming in with that 10% stake you know it's it's interesting reading all these 
things and whatnots about potentially his his asking price for the team is too much and everything and you know some people will go along the thing oh you know Stroll saved the team you know back when they were racing point or force India he 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 was a savior no it wasn't it was Sergio Perez for um getting the administrators to come in and taking that decision then and you know Stroll just had the money and he just threw money at it and thought that that could solve everything but it didn't for for a few years until they decided to copy um la the year before's mercedes design so you know i don't know anyway well that, another thing for for the review let's put pop it in there um driver of the day though performance from yuki sonoda and i did allude to williams and alpha towery fighting for seventh in the championship it was and there was potential there for AlphaTauri to sneak it home. Um, and Sonoda started sixth. That was impressive qualifying for him. And sixth, finishing sixth would have given him the points to to get ahead of Williams. And, you know, Williams have been in that position for quite quite a lot of the season off the back of Alex Albon's um, performances. But AlphaTauri with some upgrades and, you know, bringing in... Um, seeing a revived Daniel Ricciardo and also Liam Lawson's performances as well when he subbed in with Sonoda who's been driving really well as well recently they could have dreamt you know it was it was almost a reality to finish in P7 in the championship and the one-stop strategy unfortunately failing Sonoda on the day he did briefly lead the race which was which was quite funny and refreshing because it wasn't Verstappen, but also, you know, a Yuki top three. I'd love to see Yuki on the podium. That would be hilarious. And also well-deserved for the driver as well, but um, it didn't quite work out. And, you know, last race as well for Franz Tost in charge of that team, of course, having led them since, you know, Toro Rosso came into the sport or took over from Minardi um, back in 06, I believe it was. So, you know, the fairy tale couldn't come off for for Franz, unfortunately, but um, I guess a bit to look forward to for this team next year when they rebrand to whatever they're going to be, Racing Bulls or Adidas Racing, Hugo Boss Bulls Racing, I don't know, just can we call it Toro Rosso for the sake of nostalgia or even just simplicity's sake? I don't know. It'll be good because we've got so many names, so many teams with names starting with A this year. Alpha Romeo, Alpha Tauri, Alpine. I'm sure there's another one there too. Everything is Al, Al, Al. And then next year they'll just be Alpine because Alpha Romeo are... Um, no longer going to be in charge of uh, or no longer title partner for for Sauber and that team will just be Sauber for the next couple of years until the Audi takeover in 2026 and that's been confirmed too so neither Williams scored so I guess it was just yeah they were they were safe the fact in the fact that Alpha Tauri couldn't get the points that they needed Sonoda did finish in eighth so you know a still a decent result for him, but yeah, disappointed that they can't or they couldn't get ahead at the end of the day. And Ricardo was just outside the points in eleventh. Already mentioned that you know the race felt like a bit of a dead rubber. Hopefully that can be a bit different next year. I mean, you know, it's it's like it's a it's a it's an interesting venue to be there, and I'm I'm always going to have a soft spot because it's the only until now the only overseas F1 race that I've been to that was back in 2014 with the with the championship decider then, um, and you know you've got Ferrari World, you've got concerts and whatnot. I heard Foo Fighters 
played there on on the weekend after the race and Dave Grohl wasn't allowed to say any curse words because you'll be locked up um, if you do get caught swearing over in that part of the world so and um, hopefully he can swear a bit more when he plays here in Melbourne later next week I'm looking forward to that show on Wednesday night the Foo Fighters get on it or Foo Fighters as um, uh, Christopher Walken says his name almost escaped me. I would feel so shameful if I forgot who Christopher Walken was. You need more cowbell. Now we know it's going off the rails. So that kind of sums up the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. You know, whatever. That that was kind of the feeling of the race. It's like, thank goodness that's over. Let's uh, go into the off-season, into the winter, summer, wherever you are in the world, and just put our feet up and relax, and we don't need to worry about this uh, this nonsense till next year now. So, leaving it at that and moving it on. Let's talk about a title decider that actually happened over the weekend, even though it did fizzle out in the end, and let's talk about a bloke they call Bush. That's right, Brody Kostecki is the 2023 Supercars champion and he won the title pretty much on the first lap of race 27 on Saturday because it all fizzled out when Van Gisbergen, Shane Van Gisbergen, unfortunately, DNF'd on the opening lap. So what happened was Anton Di Pasquale tapped the rear of Will Brown, sent him into the barriers at turn, coming out of turn three. Um, and... <coughs> Basically, Brown then collected SVG, who was, you know, an innocent party and all this. He was starting down the order, too, I think, in in 8th or something. And, you know, when you're in that sort of realm on a supercars grid anywhere from, you know, top 5 backwards, it is all, it is all, you know, everyone's rogue, basically. They're all cowboys and cowgirls. It's just crazy. So that unfortunately kind of took the way took away any possibility we had of a showdown come Sunday. But at the end of the day, Kostecki well deserved, well earned, f- given the year that he's had and his you know journey into supercars too. Like not going into it fully, but there's a great piece that uh, the former. Triple Eight team boss and team owner founder Roland Dane has written for speedcafe.com and you know detailing kind of Kostecki's kind of rise from nowhere essentially from you know couch surfing I think it was called and um, not really being kind of the the main of the Kostecki siblings or cousins in in the limelight to to make it supercars i remember going years back we had kurt kostecki on the fringe of coming into the category and then there was his brother jake as well who raced up until last year and Brody was kind of the underrated or the unsung one you know and for him to then stitch together what he did in super two i think i saw him 2019 I might still have photos of that, of of a podium that he got at Sandown, you know, and he, it was like, wow, this 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 guy seems seems like he's on it, you know, and um, big fella as well, which you know, in any kind of sport, that's always frowned upon. Unfortunately, um, don't get me started about body image and and that sort of thing. I could have a field day tearing shreds off. Um, 
people telling you what what a, you know what you should look like and all that probably another topic for another time but you know um i guess for brody and and going into supercars he had to make changes with his lifestyle and everything but you know he's done so well he's put in the effort and man you know great to see great to see you know him do it and a new champion on the on the list for for the Australian Touring Car Championship as well. So, well done. Um, Also, Erebus taking out the team's championship too. That was despite Brown having the DNF in race 27, but 8th and 14th in the Sunday race was enough for them to um, overcome Triple Eight or to to, uh, kind of seal it out because... SVG unfortunately had an absolute mare of a weekend because he had a power steering failure that also <laughs> meant that he did not finish in the final race of the season. So yeah, not the not the best farewell weekend that SVG would have wanted, but um, for Erebus um, and and Brody Kostecki in particular, I guess Brown as well in in his final weekend for for Erebus before he goes off to f- um, fill that seat left by SVG at Triple Eight. Um, can be proud of the contribution that he's made to that team this year. He's had four wins, of course, and he was in title contention until the bend, really, you know, when he had that awful weekend and then some disastrous enduro races as well. Um, but in the end, it's all about Kostecki, you know, Betty Klemenko, what she's done, Barry Ryan. Hats off to all of them. Well done. Bravo. So back to... Because the, there was some races that needed winning, of course, as well, because Kostecki ended up finishing sixth in uh, race 27 on Saturday to take the title. We had a really, really cool battle between Cam Waters and David Reynolds duking it out for the win. And it was only, what, 0.6 of a second or six-tenths of a second that separated Waters from Reynolds. You know, they came out, um, I think Waters came out of the pits on his final pit stop and they were side by side going into the center chicane and and Reynolds had to skip the chicane and Waters was able to pass him there. And yeah, they just basically punched in quality lap after quality lap to, to kind of mirror each other. And in the end, it was Waters who got the job done in that special... Ken Block tribute livery as well, I've got to add. And then, of course, it was Tim Edwards' final race in charge of Tickford as well. So what a way for him to bow out as their team principal before he goes on to bigger and better things with supercars, um, taking over the the head of motorsport role effectively. Kind of what Ross Braun done or was doing with F1. That'll be, that'll be Edwards' role there at Supercars. Um, yeah, what a way for them to bow out that way. And also then for the Grove Racing Team to take another win. So last two weekends, Gold Coast and Adelaide, it's been Tickford and Grove who've uh, come forward. And yes, you know, they did do a little parody tweak before Gold Coast. And they're going to do some important work over the off-season, I hope, with the wind tunnel testing that they're going to do in the States coming up soon. But how about this? We had a rookie win the last race um, in 2022, Adelaide 500, Brock Feeney. We have a rookie taking their maiden win again this year, and it was Matt Payne. 
for Grove Racing. How cool is that, you know, to, to round out the season again with a rookie taking their maiden win and giving us a taste of what's to come hopefully in the future. And, you know, I don't know if, uh, like, it's, you don't hear a lot about Matt Payne, I guess, or, like, he's not spoken about, to my understanding at least, you know, as in the same likes of Feeney and, and other rookies that we've had in the sport, you know, when Waters and stuff came in. Um, but I feel like the way that this Grove team is working at the moment, you know, obviously they've got Reynolds leaving them and they've got Richie Stanaway coming in next year. We'll have two quick Kiwis, which will be to the disdain of Mark Scaife, no doubt. I'm, I'm bloody over his whinging about Kiwis and him him having to make a point of saying in the coverage too, oh, this is the first time since... 2017, I think it was, when, when Jamie Wincup won, that we've had an Australian win the Supercars Championship. I mean, mate, who cares? Who cares? All right, you know, Australia and New Zealand, we're pretty much, you know, brothers, brothers, sisters, we're siblings, all that sort of spirit of camaraderie and whatnot but Scaife has to come out and say oh it's the first time since 2017 that an Australian has won the race good for you Scaifey why don't you just put up your boots and take off your tight jeans and retire you know move back to Frankston or whatever wherever you're from and just call it because yeah yeah <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to go into a, a deep rant about that guy, but he does my head in in commentary and also the in in terms of management as well of of the category. You know, he is on the board of race the um the consortium that owns supercars, and you got to say some of the the decisions that have been made this year, decisions that they've made for next year. Let's talk about the live pit lane order, for example. Like, what's that all about? I'm sure Scaife's got his fingers all over that because, you know, he'll probably want an Australian to be at the top. Oh, wait, no, that contradicts the fact that, you know, Erebus, who have worked their butts off for the last 10 years to earn this maiden team's championship, and with a team's championship, your privilege, as well as, you know, all the glory and the, the trophies and whatnot, and the being pretty much immortalised in the sport, is to have the top garage for the next year, you know, something that the likes of Triple Eight and, and Shelby Power Racing, HRT back in the day, Tickford, they've all had the privilege of doing, and it takes the shine away from Erebus's team's championship win to have the stupid idea of, you know, a live pit lane order that, you know, every, it'll change every race depending on the team's championship uh, positioning and whatnot. Like, what excitement is that going to create? Nothing. You know, fix the cars first, get the parity right, you know, get more races on the calendar as well as, you know, um, get rid of the sprint racing. And I don't know how these timed races next year are going to go, but, you know, the championship was in, was doing well before the pandemic. And yes, we can attribute a lot of things that have happened, you know, negatively to the pandemic, but it's, it's not too far gone but we've gone far enough now that we don't have to stay in those things you know 
Gen 3 has been an unmitigated disaster the way it's been rolled out. And, you know, for people to then come out and say, oh, well, you know, all is well now because Ford is winning again, it matters nothing given that the championship, or they were not in the championship fight, which, you know, the likes of Waters with Tickford and, and Mostert with Walkinshaw and Jetty United, you could have guaranteed they would have been in the points battle um, if given equal... Um, parity between manufacturers but no you know so yeah if, if Scaife wants to get his head up uh, about that then whatever you know it's it's not great is is what um is what I'm trying to say and it's not a good look for the sport either and yeah I'm sorry but it takes away the shine from the team's championship win for Erebus um that they deserve for the ne- next year at least to to have that top um, garage in the pit lane or the first garage in the pit lane so you know it's a privilege that all these teams before them have had and for a young team you know 10 years of toil and hard work they don't get that you know yes I mean they can if they they stay on top of the team's championship through next year but you know that's that's next year what about this year? What about being able to celebrate that? So, you know, I'm sorry. I, I'm getting worked up about it. it. There's a lot I'm frustrated with with supercars this year. And, you know, Scaife's Australian remark to me at the end of the race was a bit triggering, i got to say. And, you know, I'm not, not happy about that at all. Um, yeah, so Payne winning the race at the end. What a win for him. And it was really close in the top 10 shootout to 0.031 seconds separating him from Kostecki, who did take the pole position, but um, Payne did execute the better start and ended up with an 8.5 second lead and win over Feeney, and then Reynolds securing P3 as well. And this is Grove Racing's best result that they've had um, since being Grove Racing, of course, taking over from the Kellys back couple of years ago or last year I should say that's when they became fully Grove Racing and yeah with the with the Gold Coast win as well and the two podiums in Adelaide for for Reynolds what a way to bow out from this team as well of course so they'll stay as Penrite Racing next year despite Reynolds's own affinity with that brand and the fact that um they followed him over from Erebus um I feel like uh Nulon might be the sponsor i don't know if that's kind of the the teaser that we got when reynolds got put into a penwright oil drum and dropped off in the team 18 garage and charlie schwerkolt sticks a um a nulon uh oil sticker on him so maybe nulon racing might be their sponsor i don't know they're currently with um the team sydney team or or premier racing not team sydney that's what they used to be called yeah anyway that's that's supercars done too for this season it's goodbye to shane van gisbergen until next time hope you do well in nascar um god now i still feel incensed about mark scaife i really do and and all this trouble around supercars but hopefully tim edwards will get everyone's acts together he seems to have the right intentions and hopefully we will have a healthy and stable and equal championship heading into the future. All right, well, that is, I think, enough for this 
episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in this season as well, in general. Um, I'll be back to do a F1 season review probably not next week, but the week after. So stay tuned for that. Keep an eye on the social channels at Hithy Apex Media. Give the um, Grid Talk team a listen and a follow too as well. At Grid Talk UK are their social handles and you'll find them on YouTube and all the other podcast platforms. Until then, thank you very much for tuning in and I'll see you guys next time.